Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Dash. I'm joined by CJ Reynolds, AKA Real Rap with Reynolds. Not the DJ scritchy, scratchy kind, but the talking kind, the intellectual kind. CJ's been an educator for 17 years and, and like me, has jumped off to be a full-time entrepreneur recently. So I'm excited to talk with CJ about his education journey and his entrepreneur experience. But right before we get started, please check out our website, seleducators.com for your professional learning needs and our YouTube channel as well at SEL Educators. How you doing today, sir? Fantastic, man. That's it's, it's my only, that's where I try to live most days. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you. My, my pleasure. So we were just talking about it too. And, you know, I, I think you have, uh, you know, you got a nice flow and, and brand. I got your, your website pulled up here. Real rap with Reynolds. You know what I'm saying? It feels really uh, hip, feels really comfortable, feels really cozy. Where does that name come from, even though you're not a rapper? No, uh, no, I'm not a rapper. Um, you know, <laughs> real rap. So I eat lunch uh, for years and years and years. I eat lunch with um, students every single day. And so they would come up to my room and it was a safe space for kids. But, you know, sometimes kids have to talk to you about stuff that's vulnerable. And I would have my students come back to my desk and they tell everyone else to move back because they needed to have real rap with Reynolds real quick. And so when I and that was just a real conversation, my students knew that I was always going to keep it real with them, that I was going to talk to them not like they were kids, but like they were humans. And um, and so in doing that, when I started the YouTube channel, I just thought this would be a funny name. And my students all thought it was hilarious. But then I quickly was was reminded that slang has borders uh, that mm. does not, you know, <laughs> just because some all my kids say something doesn't mean everyone yeah. in every other city realizes what it is. And so yeah, now I get, uh, like I said, I get emails from producers with hip hop beats. And, you know, it doesn't help that I taught, I taught an elective called the history of hip hop for 10 years. Mm. So, so it's, it gets, it gets weird, but that is not a skill set that I possess is rapping. That's yeah, just talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. the real talk. <clears throat> very, very interesting. I mean, I think, um, you know, looking at the, the real rap guy, the TV, one, I think is just catchy. So great branding, great marketing, if Thank that's you. not what you studied. And you just mentioned the history of hip hop. My first job out of college was with the residential high school. Um, it was a very, very affluent state funded, you know, students were the dignity, their parents were dignitaries for the state or in the presidential cabinets and stuff. But um, they were kids, you know, they were kids. And so one of the first ways that we really connected was similar was through rap. Um, and we used to have these nightly meetings where we would just talk and collaborate. But part of my role as a residence life coordinator was to do this co-curricular development. So that was around the time when um, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar came out. And I just remember really engorging myself in that album and in the lyrics and my kids were too, they were juniors and seniors. So we spent a couple hours, uh, two or three times and we listened to the songs and we listened to the rap genius and we correlated it to life and we we looked at the different cultures and dissected it um I, you know i know you're not a rapper but you just mentioned you you taught art history how yeah. has that kind of influenced some of your your brand and your business and your connection with your students as well oh enormously i mean so i think we have to teach the kids that are in front of us and so teach being a teacher in west philadelphia my students are uh, given year 99% African American and all male, right? And so 
and then you get a few other kids that are so like you might get someone from um like you'd have like one asian student or one white student and and so when you're talking to your students and where they come from what you want to do in my experience was really find out who your kids are you can't like just make guesses so you mm. find out what kids are interested in through a number of different ways and then you have to I think be willing to go into your students world to get them to enter into your world in the classroom of education. And so it's just pulling from things that kids are interested in. And that was a whole host of things. I mean, I've, I've, I know more about Fortnite than any other 46 year old man that I know. And, but that's because of my students. And, and, you know, I started watching football. <laughs> I did not grow up a sports kid. So watching football, cause that's what my students would talk about every Monday morning. And so when I was given the opportunity to create, um, an elective at one point I told mm. my students and they were like, what if we, if we had something about music where we could just talk about what music that we like. And so look, I, I did grow up with hip hop to an extent. I mean, I was early, late eighties, early nineties. It was the, you know, the, the golden age of hip hop. And, but I, you know, there was a shift for me in mid nineties where I just, um, I, I just didn't go that way anymore. Like my, my mm -hmm. tastes changed. And so it was, you know, but I, I didn't want to be the old guy talking about old guy hip hop. So, um, so it just took a lot of like learning about what was going on and then building community. So it, within the community of, of Philadelphia, it was like bringing in DJs and artists yeah. and graffiti artists and um, folks mm. to lead ciphers on Fridays and poets and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so there's so much to pull from. So I became not like a, like a dictator in class. I became like a connector piece. Mm -hmm. So who can I connect with my students? And I think, you know, to your question, Trey, once you immerse yourself in any community or culture, mm -hmm. uh, you just start pulling things from that, right? You start, you start understanding where your kids are coming from. And, and this isn't just, I'm not just talking about like, for me, it was black males, but, it, um, but that could be, you could, if you're teaching in on a reservation somewhere, if you're teaching in, in, as a part of the criminal justice system, if you're teaching in, you know, New Mexico or Nebraska, mm -hmm. or you are, culture. have to look and remember that not all kids, the kids have similarities, but yeah. like, where am I teaching and how can yeah. I incorporate that into the classroom? Because then what we're teaching actually matters yeah. right now i can connect it to something you care about mm -hmm. and it just makes you go wait what and and the number of kids that can that will their minds are blown that i know that like even that a new album dropped mm -hmm. uh or that like i know the lyrics to a song not to try and be cool i've been cool since 1995 but like but to try and be relevant, to be yeah. willing to bridge the connection there, it, that has been everything. That's me. that's so good. I remember a few years ago, there was a guy in Atlanta, Brian Chris Reese, he was a school principal. And he said pretty much exactly what you just said to, if you're not a part of a culture or community, you have to immerse yourself into it until you understand to really make that impact. And we try to politicize the world, whomever tries to politicize a lot of things, whether it be SEL and restorative practices, um, or even in the classroom, you know, I think it's it's a real thing, you know, a, a white teacher with all black males, obviously there's deficits in those things. It's not an impossible task though, but the same way that you're talking about connecting with your students is no different than the way you would connect with any other student. You just gotta be willing to, to do the work to understand who they are. One of the companies that I'm working with now um, they have a standard planning call process that you go through to speak to schools. Now, this was a process I already had in my business as well. 
But I got a different appreciation for it. Like you said, now that I'm working with schools in, in California, New Mexico, North Dakota, I've worked with schools on reservations and there's there's differences. There's, there's words I should use, there's words I shouldn't use. There's abbreviations that you use that I don't use. And that's, that's language and context that matters when you're speaking to communities that um, are not like yours. And diversity and inclusion goes beyond uh, just race or or political factors. There's so many diversities that that we have within us that that make us different, as you say. Facts. You, I that is on point, and and it's I think especially now in the current climate of education, where teachers feel so exhausted, mm-hmm. it can feel like another thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that if you want to not just survive but thrive through this next season of education it is the work that is going to set you up for success because i mean if you think back like in 1991 when i was in high school and reading the odyssey and i hated it if someone had told me that this is basically the same hero's journey that luke is going on in star wars i'd i would cared if someone (laughs) when i was like tribe called quest was one of my favorite groups growing up and so if someone had had taught me simile metaphor imagery through the lens of mm. tribe called quest or through nirvana mm. i'd have been locked in Man, yeah. but they didn't right and yeah. it was like I didn't, you don't have to know their whole catalog but if you can say hey i was listening to this one song right yeah. i went into i went into the world a little bit i was like i was checking this out i connected it to this thing we're learning yes. in class you know these are the same thing i'd have it would have blown my mind i'd have been mm. that would have been my favorite teacher forever yeah, that, that's really good. Similarly, and, and I'll ask you my next question here. I just worked with some students. Um, we did an entrepreneurship workshop, 15 seniors. We spent the day building and kind of packaging a business. And I was so impressed with how engaged they were, the ideas that they came up with, the level of depth and the thought process they went through, through systems. I said, listen, y'all, I'm not I'm not Mr. Trey. I've been working with them a long time. I said, I'm your business coach today and I'm going to treat you like it. And, and they they rise to the challenge. Kids need adults that are supportive and demanding. But to your point, and I think we're going to have some, some similarities here too. I mean, as, as a teacher though, if I'm stressed, if I'm overworked, if I have baggage bias and blind spots that I don't know exist, I'm not going to have the energy to immerse or engage with my students. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. You mentioned that your YouTube content has blown up and it's been all at the request of your community. Can you talk about um, maybe reverse engineer me that for me? Like, what are you what are some of those topics that you cover for teachers and how did you build your community, I guess, before that? And um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we built the community the most grassroots way of anyone I've ever heard kind of doing it because I, I wasn't, uh, if you look at like, and this is not to throw shade at anyone on YouTube, people are using what they got and and they are who they are, but like, there aren't any other like old dudes on YouTube, right? Like it was, it's mostly young people that are on there and there's almost no one in the secondary ed space. That's really consistently putting things out on YouTube. And so what we started doing was simple things like going on, like, cause this was an expression of care, right? Like what, what the work we're doing is, is meant to be an expression of care. So it's finding folks that feel like they're at their lowest, that feel like they can't go on, that feel like they've lost their spark and I would sit there and ha- look up, search hashtag on Twitter, like uh, 
teacher problems and you find some poor soul that had the worst day of their life three days ago, they put a tweet out into the world and no one answered it. Not mm. even their mom said, I'm so sorry you had a hard day. Wow. So we just show up. This is me and my wife saying like, sorry, you had a hard day. Here's what I've done in the past when I've had a situation like that. If we can ever wow. help with anything, just let us know. That's it. Not go check out my channel, not come, to, you know, here's a video I made about it. It was just showing up and caring for someone in a moment when they needed it. And then that has been how we've built everything. And then when those mm. folks show up and they say, um, do you know what I could do about this? It is sharing mm. what you've got. I do not. Um, I do not venture into areas that I do not know anything about, although I've learned th things so that I could help folks out. But largely what I'm trying to do is um, I can connect them though with people. And I think that's the beauty of this work that we get to do, Trey, is that we are, we are part of a community um, online and in person where we can steer folks to the right places. And so that's, that's where everything has come. And, and look to your other question, I think it's, you know, we tell students all the time that they have to be lifelong learners. We're trying to mm. encourage them to be lifelong learners. And so when you showed up as a teacher at year one, you weren't done growing. Like you, you thought you, you had, like, I felt like I arrived right. on some level because I just yeah. got done college. I was all fired up and stoked and ready to go. But then you learn that you don't know a whole bunch of stuff. And so what we're trying to do online is create pathways and pipelines for teachers to be who they're called to be, to be able to maybe skip some steps, to have some quantum leaps in their learning mm. where they don't have to go through all the things that I went through. Mm. It's like, hey, look, just letting you know, this this doesn't work. If you do it this way, if you don't not do more, if you just do it different, you can find some success in that area yeah. too. And so that's been a lot of like trying to encourage folks to grow in those sorts of ways as well. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That, that's, that's amazing. Um, grassroots, gra grassroots, bottom up building with a community and um, yeah, it looks really cool. You've got a lot of great topics. Um, you know, what do I do on my first day of school, daily classroom management tips, Get six ways to get your class to pay attention. These are some older videos, but I clicked on the popular one. So recently you transitioned from yep. 17 years in education, New Jersey, you mentioned in West Philly into real rap with Reynolds. Uh, why was now the right time to make that transition? So um, teaching, teaching two years virtual, year and a half virtual, right? We, our school went through, I think five or six principals in the last three years um, and a lot of my community was deciding to move on to other places. Like, like school had become very difficult. We also had, I mean, and this wasn't necessarily a determining factor, but we lost six, I teach all boys school, uh, six young men in, in a 12 month period to gun violence in Philly. Mm. So there's all these kind of layers of what's going on. I just see that last year I used to eat lunch with my students twice a day. I had to make that happen once a day because I had so many teachers coming in, like literally breaking down every day. Wow. We would watch people walk to their car and just get in their car and just drive off never to come back again. Mm. And after seeing that, you know, the care has always been education's only ever about students to me. It's like one of the things that we, the values we live on in our, in our business, but teachers have to come first because if we can keep teachers first, then they're just natural. Teachers mm -hmm. want to show up to do good things for students, right? Like by and large, the teachers' hearts are in what they're doing because of students. And so yeah. I just don't think 
we are always doing a good job of equipping teachers with real like practical advice on and and tactics and and habits on how to do to be who they're called to be so at the end of last year you know i i just felt that that was i could feel the calling switching me you know i'm a i'm a pretty spiritual guy uh so you know when i and i've always tried to sort of follow jesus with reckless abandon and so mm -hmm. when i feel that call is happening um it was really looking at it, really praying over that and realizing like, no, I think the next season of my life has to be to help teachers uh, because they're just folks are leaving in droves. And so yeah. what can we do that's going to not just help folks, like I said, to survive, but to thrive in this next season. And that's what I feel like I need to pour all of my time mm -hmm. and energy into now. Mm -hmm. Love it, CJ. Love it, love it, love it. I, I, I've been there you know, myself as well. And um, my last two years were as a dean of students. And um, I'm not not similarly and not similarly, I just got to the place where I was just too antsy. You know, I, I'm clocking in, clocking out. Uh, for me, one of the biggest triggers was I, I, I had to leave the house before my son, he's two now, before he got up, I had to be gone. And that hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings, you know. So that was a big driver for me to want to go. But it had been, I'm in year seven now, and I had went, I went full time once as a consultant, and then um, then I got married and had a child, and I, I got me a new job. And then so going off this time, you know, it was scary, and it's still scary, you know, to think about, you know, not having, you know, my, my teacher benefits or my educator benefits and things like that. What were some of the, I guess, considerations that you had to make to really think like, yo, is my business gonna survive if I jump off this ledge here? I think for me there was, we did not look any, any responsible human being would say like, all right, we have like, there's like, we got enough money saved in case things <laughs> don't work out the way that we want. We got enough, like we're going to have benefits ready on the front end. And I'm going to tell you, I did not do that. I am. I, it was like burn the boats when we landed on the Island and <laughs> like that old adage. And we're just going to, we're going to take the Island by storm. And, but, but for me, it was, it's really that that faith walk thing, right? It's like mm -hmm. it's the getting out of the boat, trying to walk on on the water, kind of a thing, and knowing that um, there is no way back. And yeah. I've never been one, and I've don't I, I I told my students for years, like I, when they would say, like I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this as my backup plan. I'm like, bro, mm -hmm. get the backup plan out of here because now you're just setting mm -hmm. up for failure, right? So for me, it is there were considerations, but it was really me becoming. I think some of the things that we learned very quickly, my wife and I, were that we have to become masters of our calendar. Mm. That I have to be able to use the time that I have. Because, wow. I mean, I have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old, but I'm not trying to have, uh, I'm really, I'm really, I'm try doing my all to not just have like curmudgeon teenagers <laughs> like that, that don't like their parents. Right. I love my kids all the time. I want to <laughs> spend time with them. If yeah. they're interested in something, I want to be interested in it. So I want to be able to give my kids that time but for me, that meant now I don't get up as late as I used to even before school. I get up at four o'clock in the morning. I put mm -hmm. in four hours of work before anyone's even awake in the morning. And then being where my feet are has really been a help too. So whatever I'm doing at that moment is what I'm doing. I'm not mm -hmm. half doing something else. So become your best self with bestself.co. They have 90 day journals, six month action plans, daily journals, gratitude cards, relationship cards, 
all kinds of things to help you become a better version of yourself. Visit bestself.co and use the code GAMAGE for 15% off your next order. And so now that I know coming April, I don't have this salary to lean on, it just, it wakes me up and it, and it puts pressure to, to show up and figure this thing out. Um, even though we have some time, like I'm not thinking about post-paternity leave because that's not the plan. That's not the option. We got to burn this bridge and go, which is so scary. But again, to your point and what, you know, I talk to myself about it and we pray about, I was really torn when I was leaving my last, when I was leaving my dean of students role, I was applying for 1099 roles and W-2 roles. I talked to my pastor. He said, Trey, you got to make a choice. What, what you trying to do? Which way are you going to go? And as soon as I made the decision to go 1099 full-time contracting, you know, my income tripled um, or, or, you know, whatever the case was. And I, the, the 1099s that I had been waiting on for interviews of, of learning consultant roles popped open and they came and, and now the things roll. And so you got to keep that momentum going. And yes, ideally, we would have more money. We would have more of this. We would have more of that. But if I hear a guy say go, that's what I've got to do. Facts. I, th I think that is that for anyone that is even like hearing that and figuring out, yeah, but is it my time? There is going to be a moment where you have to you have to step off the high dive. Right. And and so and that is scary. But knowing myself and like even hearing the way you talk about like your kids and having this two year old that you felt you felt something when mm -hmm. you weren't there. Mm. Like we're not even the kind of dads that are going to let something bad happen. Right. Like I'm going to do anything I have to do. And so it's letting that fuel me, right? Mm. I, my son has special needs. He needs special care. Uh, he has high functioning autism. So, I mean, there's not like he, we homeschool him. There's a number of other things that like we have to pay for to have done for him, but it's like, I'm not going to let those bills go. Like I'm going to make mm. sure that this happens. And so instead of that being fearful, it is letting that kind of fuel me a bit because it's, well, I'm not, you know, I want to be able to provide for my children, but I also want them to see that, you know, my own kids and my students, that when you are know that you are called to do something and you go full force, because this used to be a six at night to midnight gig for me after mm. teaching all day. Yeah. But now what's this look like when I'm doing it first thing in the morning? Yeah. Oh, man, it, it's a different kind of work then. And then when I'm fueled by all that other passion and love for my family, it's it's mm -hmm. to me, it's a foregone conclusion. It's waiting. It's like it's going to work out. It has to work yeah. out. There's no other yeah. Answer. So I, yeah. I mean that that's good, CJ. And I, I wonder too. So like I'm I'm thinking about right now, um the kids I've worked with that tell me their plan A is to go to the NBA, but they haven't played basketball and they're a senior. And it's just like, okay, let's I talk about that kid. This. We must have you taught know? the same kid. I don't know. Yeah, I've let, let's talk about this for a second, you know, yeah. or even if I'm thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe it's a teacher who's who just walked out the classroom and left and saying, I'm going to go start my own business. Like, what do you feel like? And maybe there is no difference between, I don't even, I don't even know if it's being ready, but really having that drive, you know, I'm this, I got to move. This hurts bad enough for me to go somewhere. How, how can you tell that difference? If somebody's on the fence, yeah. should I leave my job? Should I start this business? How do they know that they should do something? I think first it starts with why do you want to do it, right? So when I have students that want to play in the NBA, it's like, why do you want to do that? Mm. But then it's also realizing that playing in the NBA or starting a, uh, like this sort of like educational preneur business 
isn't just about you making YouTube videos. There's a hundred other things, mm. right? Do you know how to write out an invoice? Do you know how to communicate clearly with companies? Do you know how to manage your money correctly? Do you know how to invest your money? Do you know how to, there's all these other pieces that you need to know how to, to make happen. Like this being on the podcast is one thing, but do you know how to set up the podcast? Do you know mm -hmm. about your sound? Do you know about your marketing? Do you know how you're going to push this out? Do you know about Facebook ads? Do you know about Instagram reels? Like how do you know about all this, all these other pieces? And I don't say that to push kids off at all, but you know, when I tell dudes that want to be like in the league and they want to play in the NFL and I remind them that the average NFL career, I think it's like between four and eight years, something like that might be, I might be even, that might be more than it actually is. But I'm like, yo, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Like, so you made, you made 10 mil when you yeah. were in the league, but like, then what did you do with the 10 million? Yeah. Because Shaq will tell you that he spent his million dollar signing bonus in 24 hours. Right. So like, it's easy to blow it, but yeah. do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? And so it's encouraging folks that are trying to get into this space to think about all of the other factors. So I would say to, just like I say to my students, I would say to, to adults that you need to do your homework and talk to the people that are already doing the work and find mm. out like, what's something I believe that I shouldn't, or what's something that I don't know about that I need to know. And I, so I think signing up for like coaching and mentoring and things like that are really the way to move yeah. because it's going to help you not misstep. You're not going to end up, you know, getting mm -hmm. your house foreclosed on or something like that. Mm -hmm. Great point. Great, great, great stuff, CJ. We're going to have to talk, do some more talking um, offline and stuff as well. And, and thinking about that, I actually did a, a little review a couple of days ago. There's about 15 different courses and certifications that I've gone through over the past seven years to kind of continue my education. Those are formal, formal kind of programs that I've been to. There's been other informal things to um, build up. And I remember Les Brown says, when something hurts bad enough, you'll move. What mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. And so if you're not willing to move, it, it just it doesn't mean enough yet. Um, so that's good. CJ, would you... Would you kind of summarize your business for us? I know we have the YouTube channel. Can you talk about other ways that folks can uh, work with you or that you can support them? Sure. I mean, we, so I try to create something for, for every need, right? So we have, there's over 500 uh, videos on YouTube. We have uh, a Sunday night teacher talk where we meet with folks. We go live on all social media platforms, uh, except for Instagram, um, live every Sunday night at 4 p.m. to answer questions in real time to create a safe space for educators to explore and express what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're going through. Um, then that gets turned into a podcast. I have a book called Teacher Class Off that is with that same kind of movement, right? What All that we're creating here from our Facebook group that is only for educators, no one's trying to sell you anything in there, um, to everything else we do is really with this one focus on helping teachers be who they're called to be like that teacher mm -hmm. you dreamed of being and then you got in the classroom and you're not sure if that's even possible we want you to know that it is but we want to help you unlock that greatness that's inside you so that you can really help kids to ultimately succeed and and make the world a better place i love it i love it i like talking to you cj i see why the kids like rapping with you as well where do we find you at on, on social media i'm sure it's i'm sure it's something simple it's just realrapwithreynolds.com turns That's out that it. one wasn't taken 
uh, when I looked up <laughs> websites at realrapwithreynolds.com or Real Rap with Reynolds on YouTube are your best places to get started. Got it. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out CJ, Real Rap with Reynolds, and visit us at SEO Educators on our website and on YouTube. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash. Thanks for listening to us on The Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.